Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Gary Ramsey, who's an Alexander Technique teacher and a voice and speech teacher who heads the voice department at the Neighborhood Playhouse School of the Theater in New York City. And he has recently written a book titled Bliss, One Hero's Journey, about the deadly predicament he faced in the summer of 2015 and how the Alexander Technique uh, inspired him through all of his experiences after that. Um, Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Robert. It's great to be here. Well, it's a pleasure talking to you. Before we get into your story, could you give our listeners a, a very brief description or definition of the Alexander Technique? Yes. Uh, for me, the Alexander Technique is really about the, uh, a happy connection between the mind and the body. And that as we go through our lives uh, doing our day-to-day activities, whether it be you know sitting, standing, working, cutting something at a counter that how we are implementing the connection between the mind and the body really has a greater effect on how our life unfolds as we go through our day, one of more efficiency or one of less efficiency, which makes us you know, a much more um, happier whole person when we're more efficient and a less happy or whole person when we are inefficient. So that's kind of my, my basic premise for the work. Right. And I think for those listeners um, who have perhaps just heard about the Alexander Technique or maybe had a few lessons at some point in their lives, mm-hmm. they probably uh, identify it as being something useful for people with poor posture or coordination or people suffering from back pain or neck right. pain, that kind of thing. And I think um, the kind of way you will talk about how you've used it in in that particular situation that you found yourself in might seem um, like an unusual use of the technique. So listeners, if you're in that situation, be prepared. Yes. (laughs) So uh, Gary, could you... you, um, start at the beginning of what happened, and as you go along, you'll talk a little bit about how the technique helped you get to the next step, I guess, is, would be one sure. way of putting it. Um, I had had kind of a rare situation in that uh, I wasn't um, experiencing many uh, symptoms of anything, but I was, I was not feeling completely well. And uh, I had to go in for a series of tests, as we all know, those people who have been ill. And uh, when I got to the doctor's office for my diagnosis, uh, he looked at me and um, very solemnly said, you could die at any minute, which I thought was a joke. Um, Even right there at that very moment, uh, once I realized he was absolutely serious, which, to be honest, I had never heard of a diagnosis like that in my life right um i've i've you know people get two weeks or something (laughs) yeah Uh, but any minute was just a bit much um the first thing i did was i applied my alexander directions i literally sat in that chair and i really organized myself and i really prepared myself to take in 
what this doctor was about to explain to me. And um, basically, uh, that is what I did. And then I, I looked at him and I said, how is that possible? And he went on, of course, to explain. So the, the crux of it was that uh, I, I had ki uh, kidney cancer, renal cell cancer, although he told me that was not the problem. He said, as a matter of fact, renal cell cancer was the least of my problems because he said I had a deadly tumor. And what I didn't know, there are deadly tumors in cancer that can cause the person to suffer an aneurysm at any moment, which was what my situation actually was. And I had uh, one, of the, one of the more deadly ones, and it was in a horrific place. And he said, I honestly uh, am shocked that you're alive at this moment. So uh, again, I really had to keep control of myself, both my emotions, my awareness, my body, my breathing, mm -hmm. um, all of the aspects that we really deal with in an Alexander lesson. Um, and I did ask him, I said, well, you know, because I thought, well, I'm an Alexander teacher, right? So I said, well, how about if I use myself well, if I keep this very calm? He said, look, it doesn't matter. He said, you could be sound asleep in a bed and it could shatter. This, this aneurysm could occur. He said, so I, there's nothing I can really tell you. Um, things became bleaker when he made it clear to me that uh, the only possibility was surgery, but these surgeries were very, very uh, tricky. They have a poor success rate. I didn't have many options as far as hospitals. So it became bleaker and bleaker, and the bleaker it became, the more I kept breathing applying my directions mm -hmm. and really staying as calm as possible because the one thing I I don't know much about aneurysms to be perfectly honest not at that time I do now right but um the one thing I knew is that getting hysterical was not going to help the situation <laughs> right right well that is a useful piece of information in that circumstance isn't it it truly is it truly is and I did become much more aware of how I was utilizing myself. And then right there, because I was remaining very pretty, I, I mean, I would say really calm, um, I did, uh, in a sense, ask him for my medical records, which did turn out to be a saving grace. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know it at the time. As a matter of fact, I even kind of got angry with myself. I thought, why did I do that? Because uh, the doctor has the records. Any hospital would contact him. But um, I did, in fact, ask for the printed records. I left the office, and I have to say, once I got out of the office, I even felt more expanded and free within my body. And that was truly a significant moment. Um, I remember really how beautiful the day was, and I was walking very beautifully, very gracefully, because I thought, well... This could be my last walk, so I may as well make it a good one. <laughs> right, right. And uh, what I did was is I went to this beautiful park that was um, not even a half a block away from the facility. And I just sat there, and I realized that anybody anywhere could die at any minute. Mm -hmm. And how was I going to uh, proceed with this? But the comforting part was... I realized in a sense that we all are potentially uh, could die, even a child, even a baby, an infant. I mean, God knows, you know, mm -hmm. we've heard about these horrible things. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, how am I going to do this? 
am I going to do it in a beautiful, easeful, graceful manner, living according to the principles that I believe in with the Alexander, or am I going to be hysterical uh, and a deranged madman? Mm -hmm. And I really decided that I was going to go uh, according to the principles that I've lived my life by. So that was a huge shift. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I believe, because I really stayed with myself, I really um, kind of took care of this tumor in a sense. I felt like, and I I kind of refer to this in my book, that I I felt like I had a baby inside of me. It's just that my baby was deadly, so I I called it Rosemary's baby. Mm -hmm. But um, I really wanted to take care of it. I wanted to take care of not only me, like a mother would take care of herself during a pregnancy, but I wanted to take care of the baby as well as a mother would do during a pregnancy. And that is exactly how I proceeded and utilized these principles to the best of my ability. Uh, I have to say things weren't always easy going. Uh, There was always a crisis that arose, as there is in our life, Mm -hmm. uh, when something occurs but inhibiting that startle response, and uh, you know, those of you that are familiar with the startle response, where we go into a fight or flight reflex, to just pause, uh, as we often do in Alexander, and to really reorganize and breathe and really utilize myself in a better manner was absolutely life-saving. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the best thing I could have done. Could you say a little bit about the process you use for those listeners who, when you say you use the technique to reorganize yourself, could you say mm-hmm. a little bit about how you did that? Yes. What, yes. what your thought process was. So when something would occur, so for example, the diagnosis I've just spoken about, um, I'm sitting in a chair at the time, which I think was a, a lucky event, and um, I immediately allowed my spine to be much freer. I allowed my head to float more at the top of my body. I allowed the outer world to penetrate and come more into me. And I really slowed down my breath and I didn't allow my mind, this was always a big one for me, I didn't allow my mind to go out of the moment. I didn't rush to the future and I didn't freak out about what he had just said in the past. I remained in the present mm-hmm. and I allowed my mind to process and then come out with its response, which at the doctor's office, the first response was, how is that possible? And uh, that is what I came out with. So that, I- that idea, just again for our listeners, um, that idea of being in the present is, of course, a key element of the technique um, even for such relatively mundane things as as uh, posture, coordination, movement through space, Correct. and you're you're taking that same process and simply applying it to um, a far more dramatic, emotion laden uh, bit of news that entered yes. your life, right? Yes. Right. And and because of this situation, and remember, this went on for a long time, uh, where I was walking around uh, being told basically that I could die at any minute, I realized that our uh, every moment in our life, it doesn't matter what we're doing, we could be washing a dish, 
Mm-hmm. Or we could be, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, about to, you know, give the biggest speech, uh, greatest speech of our life. We could be the president, whatever. Mm-hmm. They are all of them crucial in our in our lives. There is no more important or less important moments. And what I started to find, because I, I could die at any moment... I thought, oh my God, they're all perfect. They're all important. They're all beautiful. Why don't I treat them with the same reverence? Why don't I also be as as present and as uh, beautifully uh, accepting and organized of them while I'm going through them? And it really, the I have to say, the cancer experience, although it was deadly and many people would think of it as horrific, it brought me to a closer understanding of the Alexander technique because uh, before I had the idea that there are more important things that the technique is for as opposed to not important things. And when you can die at any minute, everything's important. Mm-hmm. There, there, isn't, uh, there wasn't a moment to look, to waste or to blow off or to be frivolous with. There wasn't a second. Uh, and that was profound. That was absolutely a profound moment. And now I live so much closer uh, with the marriage between the technique and my life than I did before the cancer. And, and, I, and to- I assume the marriage, as it were, of mind and body. Absolutely. Which, which is absolutely. A, kind of a key element of, of the technique. Absolutely. Yeah. So, So... Yeah, you got the diagnosis. You went to the park, right? And what was what happened after that? We could maybe just um, go through the re- I, I, the rest of your story. Sure. Uh, the the events unfolded, and again, I believe because I stayed present with myself, mm-hmm. the events unfolded miraculously. Um, and crazy little things like I, I, I had a memory about Farrah Fawcett before she died of cancer being flown to Germany and I thought oh my god I remembered at the time I was confused about that and somebody told me Germany had the top cancer treatments in the world so that day right after the diagnosis within an hour and whatever I flew up the stairs and I started researching Germany And through that research, I found a hospital in Mexico that um, treated uh, unusual situations such as mine. So I called and sure enough, I got somebody on the phone who said, you know, uh, I told her my diagnosis. She said, yes, we're we're very aware of these tumors. We deal with them all the time. And I said, well, they're telling me they're deadly and I could die at any minute. And she said, yes. In the United States, that's true. She said, but here we look at them from a different perspective. And I was just floored because I said, a different perspective. She said, yes, we just don't see them as deadly because we treat them in a different way. And I said, well, what is your success rate? And she said, well, we have, we have a much higher success rate due to that fact. So it was these miracles coming up that not only um, made me feel more confident and secure, but also uh, kept me moving in that direction of staying with myself, of being centered, of being present in the moment, of applying my principles Mm -hmm. as I went through them. And then um, 
I found out that they did pretreatments. One of the things about these tumors is pretreatments are vital. Here in the States, they don't do pretreatments. Um, so anyway, then I had to fly to Mexico. Of course, flying is uh, dangerous for aneurysms. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was given uh, uh, instructions on how to handle that. Mm -hmm. I had my first big emergency when the plane uh, got into trouble. I was actually uh, napping at the time. And um, we had a drop, a kind of serious, uh, we hit some kind of big turbulence. Mm -hmm. And I actually thought the tumor had shattered on the plane. And once again, and I write about this in the book, I, I literally applied my, my directions. I literally got in control of my moment. I didn't let the moment overwhelm me. I didn't let my emotions run away with my mind-body connection. And uh, as you can tell from this interview, <laughs> everything turned out great. Either you or a clone are speaking to me now. <laughs> the other. Yeah. So um, throughout the entire situation, I continued to do that. And I found you know it to be spectacular in the results. Mm -hmm. And my keeping my um, levity, keeping my positivity, even though I accepted that I could die, and even in Mexico, they said, you know, uh, yes, we have better odds here, but there's still a chance that you could die. Um, so, of course, I needed to have a family member out there for my surgery. They weren't worried about me dying before the surgery, but the surgery was still uh, iffy because of, as some of you may know, the pictures of scans and all of the things that they do to you, uh, you know, are not 100% accurate that right, there be right. things they don't see um so i had to sign off on that i had a family member my lovely sister came out and uh it just went spectacularly uh, so spectacularly that even they were amazed um the tumor and i wanted to say this i really did a lot of alexander on my tumor <laughs> uh -huh. i literally fought and organize my tumor and I talked to it uh, I guess maybe similar as a woman might talk to her baby while she's pregnant I don't know but that I talked to it and I comforted it and I I told it to please we want you to get smaller we want you to be calm we don't want you to get all upset and go bursting all over my body and oh my god the doc the surgeon even said he said your tumor came out like a baby <laughs> wow. Thought, wow. Oh my God, because babies are not attached to anything as they, you know, at, when they come out. And I, and he said, your, your tumor did not attach to anything. It just completely like a beautiful uh, root on a, on a plant. It just came up. It just came out. Did you uh, make a point of uh, learning exactly in you where it was as part yeah, of that? The, uh, you mean the tumor itself? Yeah. It was. It, it had gone through the kidney uh -huh. and, and up uh, into the renal vein. Right, and you had and sort of mapped that yourself on your own. Correct. Body. So uh, you... I had seen it on the um, on the photos, you know, on mm -hmm. the pictures that mm -hmm. they had shown mm -hmm. me, and uh, that's where I got the baby idea. It kind of did look like a little bit of a baby because the kidney kind of was like its torso. Yeah, and it had a tumor that looked like a head on it, and then it had another the one that looked like an arm and there was another one coming out that looked like a leg kind of had like right. a, a, a eerie kind of baby feel to it, which is, I guess why I came up with the Rosemary's baby. 
But just as we use in Alexander uh, images of, uh, you know, like thinking the, I don't know, like the head as being a balloon, a helium balloon or whatever, I used images um, toward the tumor. Uh, The baby image was a big one and the idea that it was safe. And uh, constantly, instead of thinking a baby getting bigger, I kept thinking of my baby getting smaller. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was also losing tremendous amounts of weight. So uh, that made sense. And what I guess that's why I liked Rosemary's baby, because she lost a lot of weight when she was pregnant. So um, I used those images that were very comforting. And and, uh, I also, you know, I was surrounded by a lot of people who were very, very ill. And so uh, it was a comforting kind of joke that we would, you know, talk about disease and death in a very different way because everybody was facing the same, the same issue. Mm-hmm. So um, because we're, we're running a little bit uh, towards the end of our time, I assume that everything following that operation has, has been okay for you. You're functioning Absolutely. well and healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. So – and and you've probably had occasion to use the technique during that period as well, right? Absolutely, because when I came back, I was only about 140 pounds, um, a lot of muscle loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so I and I went back to work within six weeks uh, wow. from the date of my diagnosis until the day I was back at work was actually seven weeks. It was a little short of seven. That's weeks. amazing. Yeah. And uh, I was back to my schedule and um, really had to apply the principles on a much deeper level because of the weakness in my body. Uh, But it went beautifully well. So you kind of had to regrow yourself, but but you did it in a directed way. Exactly. You know, one thing – yeah, go ahead. ahead. No, and I really did um, uh, use myself – so that the growth of me coming back, the weight and the muscle coming back, would even be better than the muscle and the weight that I had before the cancer. Right, right. And so I want to I want to ask you um, a question about the the role of the technique in all of this that that's a little bit different. And maybe this would be the final our final uh, question and answer. Sure. Um, it seems to me that the technique might having the experience you've had with the technique all those years before mm-hmm. and knowing from that that for example a lot of conventional ideas about how to improve your posture and so on are not terribly effective the, the mm-hmm. Alexander has a very different view of that yes. um that that might have been of some help initially in being prepared to not ignore the diagnosis you got, but to be willing to entertain alternative takes on things. Because I do think a lot of people faced with what that doctor told you would just, what they would focus on is getting their, getting their you know final life together getting their papers organized whatever right yes taking right. cleaning up whatever messes there were whereas you took it in a direction of well i'm going to explore another alternative 
Exactly. Exactly. And I really do owe that to the technique because it kept me in the openness and the uh, 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 availability to really see those options. Because as I met people on my journey at the clinic, there's a lot of people that are just running around in terror. Mm-hmm. And they can't see any option. It could be right in front of them and they don't see it. It's like the person mad looking for their car keys and they're right there, but they don't see them. Or the person on a very mundane level, relatively speaking, also, who thinks the solution to their back pains a different chair. Correct. And not something within them. Correct. Yeah. And people look to the outer as opposed to going yes. to the inner. And I went to the inner, and that was the saving grace. Wow. Well, let's uh, let's end it on end our conversation on that note. All right. Um, I would like to um, I'll just uh, say that your book, uh, Bliss: One Hero's Journey is of course available on Amazon and there's been a lot of very good uh, reaction to it. I have to say I haven't read it, but I will. Okay. But I've talked okay. to a number of people who have and they are universally uh, recommending it to other people. Yes. Um, not enough. just in the Alexander world. Of course, you're sort of famous now in the Alexander world. But uh-huh. um, but just uh, people in general have reacted very well to it. So yes. if what we've been talking about intrigues you, um, get a copy. Um, Gary you. Ramsey is the author, and the, the title of the book is Bliss. Yes, One on Amazon. Journey. It's on Amazon. It's probably at your bookstore. Um, and um, I, I, do you do you uh, teach individual uh, students Alexander Technique? As yes, well as I the do. Uh, my full time teaching is done at the Neighborhood Playhouse in New York right. City, but I do have private clients as well. Well, if you're in the New York area, uh, I will put a link. Uh, do you, you have a website, right? Uh, I do have a website. Uh, oh, yes, I think I saw it. I'll put a link to Gary's web- website by the interview, and you can uh, contact him there. And I suppose there might be some people who would contact you for kind of medical advice, in a sense. Uh, that's happening a lot now. Yeah, since the- so yes. you're going to yes. have to deal with that. Um, anyway, yes. uh, Gary, thank you so much for this. Oh, thank you, Robert. This was wonderful.